Are you ready to receive something from God? Not just a sermon. My friends, I don't want any more sermons just to sit through a sermon. I want God to talk to me. Anybody want God to talk to you? You know, and God chooses the foolishness of preaching to communicate to us. So please do not just sit around saying, well, let's see what the sermon is. Rather, put a position in your heart saying, Lord, speak to me today. And I believe I do have a word for you this morning. And even if you're at home right now and you have some aches and some pains and you're even struggling through a fever, we believe, God, first of all, that fever breaks in Jesus' name and that you stand up and you are fully healed and healthy by the end of the message. We're believing God for that. But I'm just telling you, even in that position, in that place, God is still speaking to you because He's got things for us this year. He has things for us to accomplish. We are on this earth for a reason. Amen. We're not just passing through, taking up space. We're here to push back darkness and bring the kingdom of God in. Amen. And so we're excited about that today. So I'm talking about shifting our focus this morning, shifting your focus. There's two phrases that the Holy Spirit has given me for Calvary and for this season we're moving into. The first one is this. First of all, real quick, if you need a Bible, we provide Bibles for you. Uh, they're in the middle areas here on the sides. Also, notebooks. We're really big on taking notes around here. I, I speak, again, we're starting a new year off. Why don't you start the year off with a fresh notebook, get some good notes for 2022, and let's write these things down so you can go back and look them up later and let God continue to speak to you. But we prioritize taking notes, and we prioritize God's Word. Amen. All right, here's my two phrases. Number one, Calvary everywhere. Write it down. Calvary everywhere. It's just been in my spirit for like six months when I've been praying for 2022. I just hear this, Calvary everywhere, Calvary everywhere. Here's what I believe it means to us. Calvary is not a building. Calvary is a people. And rather than having a mindset that says we need to get more people into our building, the mindset is this. We need to get the people to the community to the city, to the lost, to the hurting. God is strategically sending you with His message, with His solutions, with His Holy Spirit. When you have a big, beautiful facility and campus like this, we can think the priority is getting people in here. The priority is getting those of you in here, out there, being salt, being light, and guess what? This place will be full, right? So it's not about filling this house, it's about sending you into the streets, into the highways, to the byways, the marketplace, the school systems, because you're the salt, you're the light, you're the city on a hill, you're the body of Christ, you're anointed with the Holy Spirit, you have the message that changes lives and the anointing to set people free on the inside of you. And we don't just gather here, you are the church all the time. The church is seven days a week, the church is 24-7, we're not just having church, we are the church, amen. That was worth coming right there. I had someone one time, they were uh, working for a church for quite some time, and the Lord opened up the opportunity for them to go work uh, in a corporate arena as a vice president of something. And they were prayed about it, knew God was sending them, but they felt like a, a wound or a loss or a guilt in that, and they were kind of carrying this heaviness in going into the corporate arena. And I remember having dinner with them, and they said, uh, it was at Texas Day Brazil, by the way, which you can have an anointed meal at Texas Day Brazil. Come on, somebody shout. Anyways, they said, I just feel this uh, kind of guilt of, you know, not working for the church physically and uh, leaving the church, they said, and going and working in the corporate world. And I just felt the Holy Spirit quicken something into my heart to tell them, you're not leaving the church. You cannot leave the church when you are the church. See, the shift in your thinking, it's about shifting focus, right? 
is not that you've left the church, but rather the church is entering the marketplace. Are you understanding that? When you leave this building, you're not leaving the church. The church is going into the streets. The church is going to your place of business. The church, you are the church. You don't turn it on when you come in the building. When you're praying for the sick here, I hope you're praying for the sick every day out there. When you're talking about Jesus in here, may you be talking about Jesus out there. You don't turn it on when you come into the building. This is just a building. It is brick and mortar. It is not the kingdom. It is not the church. Jesus didn't die for a building. He died for a person. He died for you. He died for me. Amen. That's the shifting of our focus. Calvary everywhere. So that's what we're going to be talking about a lot this year is about moving us into our assignments in our neighborhoods, in our in our places of business, in our homes, all these things. It's about getting this mindset of not get people to Calvary, but rather get Calvary to the people. Get Calvary to the people. And Calvary is just the body of Christ in that context. The other idea of shift, the other phrase that's been in my spirit, which we'll talk about a lot more today, is about shifting the direction of the river. Shifting the direction of the river. I come from the Chicago area. And you may not know this, but the river in the city of Chicago naturally used to flow the opposite direction. And years and years ago, because of health concerns and people were getting sick and all kinds of stuff, they decided to shift the direction of the river away from the lake um, so that we can, they can move all those things <laughs> downriver to other cities, unfortunately. <laughs> we're not going to talk about the impact on the environment on that. What I'm going to talk about is the fact that it's possible to change the direction of the river. And some of us, for too, many t too long, and it's a natural thing for our lives, for us to have a river that flows into us and be so concerned with ourselves. We can become self-centered and not even know it because self-centered doesn't always look like, you know, the high school teenager that's just all full of arrogance. Sometimes self-centered is just being so mindful of ourselves, of our needs, of our wants, of our happiness, of our growth, of our safety, of all these things that we forget about those around us, not because we're bad, but because it's this natural progression and flow of life. Are you understanding that? And if we're not reminded, if we're not, you know, refocused, this natural tendency, the river tends to flow towards our own lives rather than through us into the lives of other people. But the Chicago River was able to be changed, but it took great cost and it took effort. And the same thing's true about ourselves and how we've, some of us have lived is to change the course of the river from it's all about me, my life, my happiness, my health, my prosperity, how am I doing, to a reaching the world, to a how do I affect the life of somebody else, how do I impact the community around me, I am here to be salt and light and to impact the world around me. If we're not careful, we'll live this self-centered life, but I'm saying it is possible to change the direction of our rivers. It's possible. Are you understanding? It's possible, but it will take effort. It will take new habits. It will take having these conversations. It will becoming aware of which direction the rivers are flowing. Open your Bible, if you would please, to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Let's start there. Book of Matthew, chapter 6. 
I'm going to look at verse 19. This is kind of all of what I just said captured in Jesus' teaching. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Have you found it in your Bibles? Jesus speaking, he says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moth eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there your desire and your heart will be also. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your whole body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. When your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep it is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink, enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory wasn't dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully about wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly take care of you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? You know, this is a conversation I have with some of my teenagers, like, constantly. <laughs> We're going to make this a family verse this year. Hallelujah. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? They're always wondering, well, what we're going to eat next. Anyone have teenagers? You're eating breakfast. What are we having for lunch? You're eating lunch. What are we having for dinner? We're eating tomorrow. You know, that's what I'm talking about. What we drink. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows you need them. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously. He will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. I know it's a simple verse, and for some of us, we've heard it maybe before, but I'm just reminding you, God has you. Can you write that in your notes? God's got me. God's got my life. He's got me. So the, the total concern, this concern about what are we going to do, what's going to happen tomorrow, how are we going to provide for this, how are we going to provide for that, it's normal, it's natural to have those concerns. We see Jesus, even way back in the New Testament, he's trying to talk to the people. He's saying, look, this is natural that people worry about these things. That's the natural flow of the river. The natural flow of the river is you being concerned for you. But he's trying to shift their thinking, saying your heavenly Father is paying attention. He's watching. He knows your needs even before you ask them. He's going to provide somehow, some way. You know, the funny part is all the times I've been worried about provision in my life, God really has come through. And most of the time he's come through in ways I never could have seen coming in the first place. So me staying up at night, trying to figure it out, God had it figured out. Amen. God will be faithful. 
That's why it's hard sometimes to encourage people with more than a, a sentence that says God will be faithful. It sounds kind of like cliche, but the only reason I can say God will be faithful without giving you definition is because he is so creative. He has so many ways of being faithful. I can't put him in a box and say he's going to be faithful this way because the moment I think he's coming this way, he's coming this way with more than I could ask, think, or imagine. And so, yes, it may sound cliche, but it's still true. God is faithful. And he will never fail you. He will never leave you or forsake you. God has you in the palm of his hand. The devil cannot take you out. The world can't take you out. Culture cannot take you out of his hand. You are safe and secure in his hand. I just speak that over you going into 2022, that you are safe and secure in the care and in the hand of God. Okay? So the result of that is stop focusing and being so consumed with you. Shift then. Shift our focus. Shift our thinking. Intentionally shift ourselves back into the mission of why we're here. You are the salt. You are the light. What a trick of the devil to get us so focused on ourselves and on making sure we're okay that we don't pay attention on making sure other people are okay. The world around us is okay. Let me say this very seriously, and don't just say amen for saying amen, okay? Like, say amen intentionally. Listen, you're the body of Christ in the earth. So if we're not out doing our job, the world is lost. So what a trick of the enemy to get us so focused on taking care of ourselves that we are not being Christ in our workplace, in our home, in our neighborhood, in the world we walk into. You understand that? Because we're still worried about taking care of us, and we're consumed with fear about us. And today, we're going to shift intentionally and saying, God, I trust you with me. I trust you with my life. I may not even have everything sorted out. There still may be concern, but I trust you with those things, and I'm going to be about my Father's business. If you're waiting for everything in your life to be perfect before you step out like the body of Christ, the devil will trap you into this hamster wheel where you're always trying to see things sorted and fixed, and one day I'll get on with the mission. One day I'll start being who God's called me to be. One day I'll start sharing my faith. One day I'll start acting more like this or like this, because you're waiting for the world around you to be sorted out. But we're in a fallen world. There's always going to be need all around us. There's always going to be reasons to use our faith. But I'm telling you, God has you in the palm of his hand. He is working on your behalf. His angels are ministering spirits. They're ministering on your behalf for those who are heirs of salvation. His promises are sure. They are yes and amen. We have to start living and doing our mission now, even in the middle of waiting for other miracles to manifest in our lives. We have to be on mission. Be about our Father's business. Amen. Amen. What a trick for the enemy. He, he creates need and he gets you off track waiting for all of your ducks to be in a row before you live on mission. Every time I've had my ducks in a row, I always have one little duckling that runs away. It's just got to accept that's the way it's going to be. Everything is not always going to be sorted and perfect, but we have to focus and be on mission. Open your Bibles to John chapter 3, please. John chapter 3. And I just encourage you this morning, be on mission, be on purpose. 
Be about the Father's business, which the Father's business is reaching people for Christ. Calvary, we are a soul-winning church. We are a soul-winning church. That is the mission. That is first priority. Amen. We bring people to Christ. People still need a Savior. I know right now, see, even, even this, this season we're living in with viruses and sickness and all these things, do you understand how easily culture can shift into hunker down, self-preservation, nobody's strategically inviting people to church, nobody's sharing their faith or their testimony because everything is COVID. Everything is sickness. Everything is politics. Everything is just, just stuff other than eternal stuff. Are you hearing this? We can have conversation after conversation, and we can be motivated by all this stuff, and none of it leads to eternal things. It's all temporal, temporal, temporal. And we're shifting back to eternal. If we lose our message, you understand the church has existed through plagues throughout the earth, through kingdoms that were wicked throughout the earth, through emperors and conquests and all these different things, cultures that have come and gone and, and sin patterns that have come and gone and all kinds of stuff. But if people stopped preaching the gospel, there would be no church. If we stop sowing the incorruptible seed of the word of God, then there's no salvation, there's no born again, and those people are lost forever and eternity. We have got to stay on mission and not be drawn away into our own cares, our own comfort, our own happiness, our own health, our own protection. Are you hearing me? Amen. Stay on mission. Stay on mission. Someone has to preach. Someone has to be a testimony. Someone has to share their faith. Amen. John chapter 3. Let's look at our Father's business. John chapter 3, verse 16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son to the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Amen. That's the mission. God loved our world. He sent his son not to condemn. You know what? He sent his, his son into a fallen world. Sometimes we get so focused on how bad our world is, how fallen people are, but the solution to it is Jesus. The solution is still God sent his son into a world that was worthy of being condemned. Amen? So that they wouldn't be condemned and that they would be saved. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. You're his body now, which means that's our mission that's our assignment. Again, I do this intentionally. First sermon of 2022. I want to be one of the churches that are still yelling out the clarion call, seek and save the lost. When our podiums and platforms can get so consumed with what's going on in culture, what's going on in the temple around us, may churches still be out there calling the church back to mission, 
calling the church back to seeking and saving. Seeking is intentional. Saving, the Holy Spirit does that part, but you have to bring the word. You have to bring your testimony. Can I get a witness? What is a witness? A witness is someone that has seen something. So you just go share what you've seen, share what you've heard, share what God has done for you, amen. Stop talking about all the stuff like everyone else is talking about and start bragging on God in 2022. Start pointing people back to Jesus' faithfulness in 2022. Start being a, a witness and a testimony in 2022. Be a witness. Amen. Open your Bibles, if you would please, to the book of Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Ah, I need to take a breath. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Have you found it in your Bibles? 1 Timothy chapter 2. I urge you. I love that intensity from Paul. I urge you, first of all, pray for all people. I love that. Pray for all people. Not just good people, not just nice people, not just people you like. Pray for them all. Amen? Pray for all people. Ask God to help them. We can so easily fall into a trap as churches where we complain about the world, complain about culture, complain about people on television and what they're saying. Have we prayed? Have we genuinely prayed? Some of you say, absolutely, I've prayed, but some of us have not. Complaining about someone is not the same thing as praying about them. Same thing about complaining about your problems. Complaining about your problems isn't the same thing as praying about your problems. Amen? You're like, well, I told this person about this, I told it, but have you talked to God about it? Come on. Intercede on their behalf. Give thanks for them. Pray this way. And I really love that. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do some teaching here. Listen. One of the reasons I think God has us praying for all people and interceding for them is to position our hearts into the right place so that we're not praying for them as if they are our enemies. But when you pray for them, you begin to fall in love with them. You begin to intercede praying and giving thanks for them. Notice this isn't saying praying and giving thanks for the people you like or the people you agree with. But there are people in governments, there are people in leadership, even in your own job. Sometimes we always talk about the president. Well, some of you don't even get along with the boss of your own company, your employer, right? But you can pray for them, and God, in giving thanks for them, maybe not thanks for who they are or what they're doing currently, but you can thank God that they exist. You can thank God that you're in their life because, you know what, they may not be great, but God trusted you enough to be in their path. A lot of times you're a Christian saying, oh, I just wish I could work for a Christian environment. Well, in the beginning, there were no such thing as Christian environments. Everyone worked for a fallen person, right? But then over time, Christians began to influence, and they began to change the atmosphere. That's our job. Amen. All right. I feel like I've my friend back here who says amen to everything, I appreciate your intensity, I appreciate your passion, but let's just tone it down just a little bit. But everybody else, you all can say amen too. <laughs> amen? amen? Awesome. Praise God. Thank you. All right, here we go. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful, quiet lives marked by godliness, dignity, this is good. It pleases God our Savior, who wants 
everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God, one mediator, who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. Do you hear that? That should fire you up. We forget sometimes that there's only one way to get to God. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to be reconciled, and it's through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Why do I make that an emphasis? The reason I make it an emphasis is so that we don't get drawn into culture that everything goes. Whatever you believe is good. It's not true. Every road does not lead to the real God. Every road does not lead to the heaven promised in the Word of God. Are you understanding this? It's not just seek your own truth. No, seek Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. But if we stop mission, if we stop pointing to Jesus, if we start getting so caught up into the cares of this life, we lose our saltiness, we lose our flavor, we lose our influence. I'm just telling you, if it's not COVID, it's going to be something else. People have always been preoccupied and anxious for their lives. How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to raise these kids? How am I going to feed this? How am I going to do this? The devil gets you distracted to where the river is flowing into you rather than you flowing into the community, into your neighbors, out of you. The river's to flow out of you. Even coming to conferences. I've done church for a long time now, and so many times people come to conferences saying, oh, I just need a filling. I just need a filling. I just need a filling. I just... Why do you need to be filled? You need to be filled so you can overflow. Amen. Not just so you can be happy, not just so you can be content, but so that you can have more than enough for you, and it overflows into the city and into your family. There are people that go to conference, 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 ever learning, never coming to the knowledge of the truth. I'm saying God's got you. You are a child of God. You are the body of Christ. It's time for us to go to conferences to be anointed to be sent, to be anointed to be light, to be salt, to have something to give, not living from a place of desperation or insufficiency. You are sufficient in Christ. You have everything you need for life and godliness. Amen. And if it's not currently in your possession, it's on the way because of a promise. And so you can be confident and get on with the mission that God has for your life. Mm. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord isn't slow about his promises, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to perish or be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. That's talking about his return. God has promised to return. Jesus is coming. People get ready. Jesus is coming. Soon we'll be gone. Never mind. <laughs> Leaving me up here all by myself. Nobody helping me out at all. Listen, Jesus is coming. We've been saying it for 2,000 years which means we're 2,000 years closer to his return. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm in my mid-40s now, but I can see more today how the things prophesied about in Revelation are possible 
than I could have when I was a kid. The whole buying and selling thing and how people being able to flip that switch based on whether or not you do what they tell you to do, I can see it now, right? I'm just telling us Jesus is coming, but why hasn't he come? Is it because he's not faithful to his promise? No. The Bible tells us the reason he is waiting. First of all, I believe there's an appointed time. But second of all, is because he's giving people everywhere a chance to repent. Because he's wanting everyone, everywhere, none to perish, but all come to forgiveness and repentance. And so he's being patient with the world. But there is an urgency. There is an incoming. Why do I say this? Because if we don't have an urgency about it, we just think things are going to carry on as they've always carried on. There is an end to the earth's story. There is an end to this race on this planet, which means all this stuff we're preoccupied with, governments, economies, and building houses, and living these things, all of it will be dust one day. And my, my, my mentor, Jeannie, who's coming, uh, one of my mentors, she used to say, only what is done for Christ will last. Only what is done for Christ will last. But if we really take an evaluation of things in our lives, how much mind space, brain space, energy space is occupied with things that are temporal, we've got to change the course of that river and start thinking, because you're on mission. You're in someone's life on purpose. You're the believer there. You're the link to God there. You're the one that knows the truth that can set people free. You're the one filled with the Holy Spirit there. You're the one that's aware of their eternal need there. Amen? God made mankind to know and walk with him. We need to shift our thinking also from the lost heathen sinner mentalities into they are just us without Jesus mentality. Especially those of us that have been in church a while. I don't know if you've noticed this, but if you've been in church or grown up in church, if you never were something like out there running around in the world sometimes, we can get this arrogance about us like it's, you know, the heathen. Oh, the heathen, the sinners, the wicked. They're just you without Jesus. But when you put them in that category, the heathen, it's almost like the heathen get what's coming to them. Well, you were the heathen. Aren't you glad you didn't get what was coming to you? The wicked will be judged. You were the wicked, but yet God in his mercy, someone came to you. They're not the he. Yes, I get it. Scripturally, there's all these things. I get it. But we've got to shift our thinking that they're just the wicked, the heathen, the lost, and we just categorize them in these big masses of people, and if they get saved, fine. If not, they got what's coming to them. That's somebody's son or daughter. That's you without Jesus. Aren't you glad someone came after you with some urgency? Someone came after you with a testimony and didn't just get consumed with their own life and say, well, I don't have time to share the gospel. I don't have time to invite someone to church. What if they reject my offer? Someone pushed through that fear and came into your life and brought you the message of Jesus Christ. Because the wicked, the heathen, the sinner, they're just us without Jesus. They're moms, they're dads, they're good people, they have dreams, they have talents and beautiful things to offer the world, 
But if we don't love them, and if we just categorize them over to the side, whatever happens to them happens to them, then we don't see them the way the Lord sees them. And we don't have his love for them the way we're supposed to, and we don't have the urgency needed. Are you hearing me? Open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 1. This is Paul talking about this very thing. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. This is a trustworthy saying, Paul said. Everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. But his next sentence, and I am the worst of them all. He was remembering to the, his own story, his own journey. Are you hearing this? Christ came to save sinners. Oh, and don't forget, I was a sinner too. I was probably worse than most of the people out there. That's what he was saying. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that too, and they can believe in him and receive eternal life. Do you see Paul in that? He's just reminding us all that Christ came to save sinners, and don't forget that they're just you without Jesus. But praise God, in his mercy, he was found. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, talking about just keeping ourselves, our shifting, our focus, not on temporal things, but on these eternal things. 2 Corinthians 4, 18, so we don't look at the troubles that we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on things that we cannot see, for the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Just a good reminder, a good scripture reminder that the stuff you see now has come to pass. It will pass, but only what you do for Christ will last. Amen? You know, when Jesus died on the cross, we call it the passion of the Christ. The passion of the Christ. Why? Because he was passionate about the people he came to save. We got to get our passion back for the lost, our passion back. Why are we having a missions conference and sending missionaries all over the world? Because we care. We care about this world. We care that people hear the gospel. We care that these missionaries are sent because they're the hope of these people's eternity. Are you understanding this? There has to be a passion in it. It can't be a passing interest. There's too much sitting around in churches where we just come, gather, sing a few songs, get comfortable, talk about our happiness. Are we happy? Are we, you know, being fed? Are we this? Are we this? Are we this? And it's like we need to rally and go back out and do the mission and not just be focused on us every time we come. Are you understanding? I'm coming to get a word. I'm coming to get filled and fired up, and I'm going to go bring that into my lost and dying world. I'm going to go bring that into my hurting world. The passion, the passion. It was called the passion for a reason. Because of his passion, it drove him to do these things, to pay the price, to go to the cross and stay on the cross. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. You want to know who the joy was? You. It was me that drove him to stay on the cross because he could have called angels from heaven to come and rescue him. We know that. 
And even what Maria was saying about communion, where he was silent and he didn't defend himself, he didn't defend himself because he let himself be crucified. Let himself be crucified. Because of the joy set before him, which was you no longer being under the devil's foot. You and me no longer being under the bondage of sin, but we could be set free from sin where sin no longer has dominion over our lives. Where you and I can have eternal life and not be lost forever who for the joy that was set before him enduring the cross, despising the shame, and was set down at the right hand of God at his throne. He went to the cross for souls. He went to the cross for you and for me. He went to the cross for people with names and faces. For Kevin's and Maria's and Bradley's and Nancy's and Brock's and Tory's, he came for names and faces not just mass seas of humanity. Are you understanding this? Romans 5, 8, but God shows and clearly proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ the Messiah, the anointed one, died for us. One thing I love about that verse, write this in your notes. I know I talk fast, but I do it on purpose. I got a lot to say. One thing I like about that verse in Romans chapter 5, but God shows and clearly proves his own love for us by the fact that while we, are you hearing the language Paul saying here? Us, we, while we were sinners, died for us. It's not this separated thing like those people, the sinners, the heathen, the wicked. Paul is, even in his remembering and preaching, he's reminding people that Christ died for us while we were sinners. Look, don't forget that that's who you were. Amen. You were a sinner, but now you're a son and a daughter of God. But don't forget that you were a sinner that needed a Savior. And somebody came and brought that message to you. And so this is my prayer as we close. My, my prayer is that not only do we have boldness, boldness is good, boldness, boldness is not a bad thing, but I ask that today in 2022 that God would not only give us boldness, but he would re-baptize us with love. The Bible tells us in Romans 5.5, 5, his love has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. God re-baptize us in your love for you, for God, but for people. To love people. Because as much as I want to have boldness, I want to have love for people. The Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 18, there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. Fear has torment. He that fears has not been perfected in love. Perfect love casts out fear. If a house is burning down, and a mama gets out, but her baby is in that house. Is it boldness that causes her to run back into that house to save that baby? It's love, isn't it? Because that love can get so intense that you stop thinking about you. Stop thinking about you getting hurt, you getting rejected, because you love them more than the fear that's holding you back. Boldness is great, but I know people that can be bold and rude, can be bold and unloving. So what I'm asking for is, God, add to our boldness tremendous love to see our coworkers, to see our neighbors, to see people, even though you may still have stuff going on in your own life, there still may be some things that need to get sorted, but this great love that you have for people they must know Jesus. They must be saved. 
That great love pushes us to sacrifice, pushes us to be uncomfortable, pushes us to great acts. Amen? Let's stand and have a word of prayer. Did you get anything out of that today? Go ahead and celebrate. Go ahead. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. You pray this into your life. Heavenly Father, right now in Jesus' name, we ask that you give us eyes to see, that you help us to change the course of the river. God, it's so easy to be consumed with what we shall eat, what we shall wear, our own safety, our own life. And unintentionally, everything is just flowing into our happiness and our life. Today, I pray you shift the course of our rivers and our focus. That, God, we have confidence that you've got us taken care of. You have us covered. And, God, may we be about our Father's business in seeking and saving the lost. Give us eyes to see the lost again, but to see them as us, to see them as people just like us. There's probably those that thought we would never become a Christian. We would never accept it. But here we are. We were probably some of the greatest sinners out there. And if you would have seen us, people would have walked on the other side of the street for some of us. But yet here we are. We're saved. We love Jesus. God, may we not write anyone off. May we not be so consumed with our own lives that we forget about the others around us. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear. Rebaptize us in your love, I pray, for others. God, help us to fall so in love with people that we're willing, willing to be uncomfortable. We're willing to be bold. We're willing to be rejected even because we love them. Lord, we love them enough to even send missionaries and make missions, pledges and promises and to give finance because we don't just care about our own life and wealth. We pray that our wealth goes to help other people and to save the lost and to give our missionaries and people what they need. This is why we do it. We love you and we love them. Thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You can celebrate that. That's okay. Let me do this. For some of you, God brought you strategically into this place because it's time for you to receive Jesus as your Savior. And God is so in love with you, and he's passionate about you, and you don't know where you stand with God. The Bible says this, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means every one of us needs a Savior. The Bible goes on to say that the wages and penalty of our sin is death, which is separation from God, even hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. And the Bible gives us the how. All who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I want to give you an opportunity to call on Jesus today to save you from your sin, to save you from the devil, to save you unto eternal life. And so if you'd all bow your heads and close your eyes today, let me give you some opportunity. I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, if you say, Pastor Kevin, that's me. I don't remember a time in my life that I've asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior, but I would like to. When I count to three, just simply put your hand up where you are and we'll pray for you right at your seat. Or you may say, Pastor Kevin, I used to have a relationship with God, but for some reason I've walked away. But I'm starting this year off, 2022, I'm coming back to Jesus 100%. I would like a restart today. 
If that's you, when I count to three, raise your hand as well, and we'll pray together. Ready? You've never received Jesus, or you want to restart with Jesus. When I count to three, just raise your hand. One, two, three. If that's you, would you put your hand up? One hand, two, I see those hands. Anybody else? Just put it up so I can see it. Three, four, awesome. Just put it up, we'll pray together. Five, six, seven, amen. Praise God, everybody. Seven, eight, I see you, sir. Eight, just put it up. Eight, nine, 10, anybody else? Anybody else? 11, thank you. 11, 11, anybody else? Praise God. Maybe you're at home today. You need to pray that prayer with us. Why don't you go ahead and stand in your house and pray this prayer. Church, let's all pray together, would you please? Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize that I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Be my God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate those 11 and anyone else who might have prayed that prayer? Welcome home. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.